0: To the HSM podcast. HSM is the high school ministry of Crossroads Christian Church. We hope that this week's message inspires you and encourages you to live a Christ-centered life. How's everyone doing tonight? Y'all good? Come on! How can you be dead after that? That was insane. I don't know. I've never heard anyone rap that fast. I don't really listen to rap, but that was that was awesome. Hey, uh, if you're joining us for the first time tonight. I'm pumped that you're here with us. Uh, it's kind of a good night to join us. So we are continuing our series on stress. Um, oh, shoot, I got to get into my, um, let's see. I'm not going to tell you all my password. I almost said it out loud. There we go. I'm So glad that you're here with us. We are on part two of our series on stress. Um, I'm super excited about it. Hey, has anyone ever been to Disneyland here in Anaheim? Anyone ever been to Disneyland? OK, cool. Um, I haven't, um, but I want to go. I've been to Downtown Disney a couple times, but I've been to Disney World plenty of times. Has anyone ever been to Disney World before? Anyone? A couple? Okay, more than, more than I expected. Disney World is uh, a little bit more down in my neck of the woods where I'm from. My family grew up going to Disney World about um, every other year. We loved it. We've been plenty of times. We love uh, we love it. We know kind of all the ins and outs. A uh, thing about Disney World, though, that's a little bit different, it's, it's really big. Um, I've never been to Disneyland, so I'm sure it's it's big, but it's not quite as big as Disney World is. And so, people when they go, they plan their whole trip out to a T. I mean, they plan the whole thing. Um, they kind of have to, you know. It's kind of like you kind of got to know what you're doing. You got to kind of have a plan. Um, but the thing that most people don't know is that with how big it is and how busy it gets, you also have to be able to kind of adapt. And I remember this one time that I went with my family to Disney World. Um, It was probably the most chaotic vacation I've ever been on, but it was probably also my favorite family vacation that I've ever been on. So we were in Disney World. It was towards the beginning of summer around Memorial Day, so it was packed. It was actually um, the first time Disney World had ever stayed open for 24 hours, so people swarmed. It was insane. It was super busy. But I remember that for every day that we were there, the five days that we were there, like clockwork, it rained. Every day from 12 to 2, like I mean, it was like it was like scheduled in for everyone's day that it was going to rain from 12 to 2, and I mean, it poured. When I say rain, it was the type of rain that shuts down interstates, people are parked on the side of the road with their hazards, it floods everything. It was a bad rain, but I remember it, and I I had so much fun with it because my family, for some reason, kind of laughed at it and had fun with it. And there was a moment every day when it would start to rain that chaos would just ensue. It would take over everything. It was like a disaster movie. Have you ever seen one of those disaster movies where people are running around, running into each other? Like it's like in Jurassic World, the new one, when the like, dinosaurs attack and everyone's sprinting around and, and they don't know what to do and there's like the kid in the corner crying because he didn't know where his parents are and there's like a Mickey Mouse balloon in his hand he's like screaming. The parent comes in out of nowhere, like picks him up and they're like sprinting with him like a football. Like it was that. Every day was so much fun. And my family in that moment of chaos, just kind of decided, hey, it's raining. We're soaked. We might as well kind of enjoy it. So every day, we would stand over to the side, try to get under an awning if we could, but it didn't really matter because it was raining so hard. We were going to get soaked anyway, and we kind of waited it out. We waited for about 30 minutes or so when everyone stormed out of the park, and then we had the whole park to ourselves, and we were, I mean, it was still raining. We were soaked. We all got sick from it, but we were like, we're going to get sick anyway. Might as well ride the rides. There were no lines. It was awesome, but It was fun, not because our plans weren't ruined, right? Our plans were ruined. It was just that we decided we were going to have fun no matter what. And so as we, I tell you that story, because as we continue on our series about stress, we're going to see that this world is going to bring the rain, right? It's going to bring the rain. And our tendency will be to panic and run and let the rain ruin our day, right? But we're going to talk about how we can choose to have fun and live our lives in the sun and in the rain. Does that make sense? So we're talking about our theme verse for this whole series is Philippians 4, 6 through 9, okay? And last week, we talked about verse 6, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We talked about that last week, talked about not worrying about anything. And tonight, we're gonna talk about the next verse, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, we're gonna talk about peace. But the reason we're talking about this is because we find ourselves in so many situations in life, like that time in Disney World when chaos just takes over, okay? The rain comes in, it ruins our plans, okay? And our instinct is to respond to the chaos, right? To run from it, to hide from it, to leave the place that we're in because chaos ensues. And so that's our tendency is to run from it. But we're going to talk about how we can find peace in the chaos, right? Scripture tells us that we can find peace in the chaos and we can choose not to let that chaos affect us, okay? John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have tribulation, in this world you'll have rain, but take heart, I've overcome the world. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is Jesus talking in both of these verses, by the way. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let nor your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This verse is telling us, one, okay, that God has overcome the world, okay? Fear, anxiety, trials, the rain, it comes from the world, but this, these verses are saying, hey, God has overcome the world, so we don't have to fear. It's what we talked about last week, but it also tells us that peace comes from him, not from this world. Okay, peace does not come from this world. It comes from God. Okay, this is important to know and to remember, okay? Because if you, if you remember last series, we talked about seasons. We talked about seasons of change. We go through them. They're up, they're down. Life God takes us through all these twists, okay? So if we think that our peace is tied into the situation that we're in or tied to us and the state that we're in at that moment, okay, it will always fail us. It will never be reliable. Okay? Right? The, the peace is out of this world. It's it's of God and it surpasses all understanding, just like that verse says. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, regard your hearts and minds forever. It surpasses all understanding. Basically, it's saying it's more precious, it's more valuable than all the wisdom of this world. You can understand everything. And still the peace of God will transcend it. It will be more valuable, it be of greater use. It will be better than if you understood everything, right? This is significant because most of us find peace in understanding. Most of us find peace in knowing the answer to something, right? My peace in going to Disney World is okay. I know I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to be at the front gate at 7:30. The rope drops at 8. I'm going to go straight to Space Mountain. I'm going to ride it before anyone gets there. Then I'm going to get my fast pass and I'm going to ride Buzz Lightyear. Then I'm going to do my fast pass and I'm going to go to Splash Mountain. Then I'm going to get that fast pass and I'm going to do Pirates. Then I'm going to do Jungle Cruise and I'm going to go back and do my fast pass there. Then I'm going to do Thunder Mountain. Then we're going to have lunch and then we're going to go back and do. You have everything planned out to a T, and that's peace in such a place that's so chaotic. You find peace by knowing what you're going to, understanding it. But what happens when the rain comes and ruins that plan? You say, but I have this fast pass that I was supposed to use, but I'm sick and I'm wet and I don't want to do it, so now I don't know what to do. And it, I don't know, do I, well, uh, you know? <laughs> right? That's stress. And so if we think that peace comes from understanding and having a plan and knowing the outcome of something, then when that rain comes, where's peace? It's nowhere to be found because there's no explanation and no reason and no rhyme for why it should be raining in the moment. How dare the rain interrupt the plan that I had on this family vacation? I wanna see Mickey Mouse, <laughs> you know? But we find ourselves in situations in the seasons of life where there is no rhyme, there is no reason, there is no way to understand why we're going through this, right? You didn't get into the school that you wanna to get to. What am I gonna do next year? I didn't get into CBU, right? You, you didn't make the varsity squad. I thought This was my year. You know, I was about to be Bron Bron all up in the school. I didn't make, what am I supposed to do now, JV? You know, you know I, got, I got dumped. I was going to marry that girl or marry that guy. It doesn't make sense. Where's the peace if everything, if peace comes from understanding everything? You got kicked out of the house. I don't know what to do now. My peace was knowing that I had a place to go home and have dinner, but now I'm not in the house, so I have no way of finding peace because our peace is wrapped up in understanding and being able to control things, right? Peace isn't about having the answer. Peace isn't about having the control. Peace is understanding that God has the answer. Does that make sense? Peace is not about having the answer. Peace is about understanding that God has the answer. Unfortunately, though, we have a hard time trusting God, trusting that God has the answer. And because of that, it's hard for us to find peace. And we try so hard to have control over it. And we say, that's where my peace comes from. So it's hard to grasp the concept of, I got to trust God and have peace in that. So what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to give you three ways to find peace. Three ways to find peace. It's also three ways to trust God, right? Because if if peace is trusting that God has the answer. So three ways of finding peace is also three ways of trusting God. Okay? So I'm going to give you three ways to find peace. Okay? The first one is present it to God. This is what we talked about last week. Right? Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known to God. We've got to present it to God. I didn't get into that college, God. I didn't get the varsity squad. I got dumped. I, went, I failed that test. You got to present it to God. We got to give it to God. And sometimes we have a hard time doing this because it's, it's almost a sign of weakness. It's, I can't do this by myself, so I'm supposed to tell God that I have a problem, but I'm stronger than that. I don't need that. So we have a hard time presenting to God. Maybe it's just a matter of not knowing how to do it, right? You just don't know how to pray to God. You don't, you, I don't know, what am I, what am I just supposed to tell him? Yeah, just tell him. We talked a little bit about it last week. You can go and listen to it on the podcast but we talked about how you can pray and how you can present it to God. Or sometimes it's just that we get so caught up in looking for the answer on our own that we forget to present it to God. Right, like I said, we get so caught up in the fact that I got that fast pass in my hand, I'm supposed to use it. So what am I gonna do with it? I gotta figure out how I'm gonna do this. And and by the time that we try to figure it out, the fast pass is already gone by, the time that we were supposed to use it and we can't use it anymore. And because we didn't present it to God, okay, obviously this is a metaphor. Okay. You know what I'm saying though? We get so caught up in trying to figure it out on our own that we even forget to give it to God in the first place. And by the time that we remember it's already wrecked us completely. God already knows. Here's the thing, though. God already knows what you're going through, okay? He doesn't need you to to hint him in, okay? He knows what you're going through already, but he asks us to do it anyway as a sign of our faithfulness to him, okay? He he brought the rain, okay? The rain comes in and surprised you. It's not surprising him. It's not like, God, it's raining. Did you know that? He's like, yeah, I I knew it from 2,000 years ago. Like, I knew it was going to rain on this day and on this hour. If you uh, listen to Pastor Chuck's message, he Uh, today. It's kind of mind-blowing, but he doesn't live in time. He knew this moment was going to happen from the time that he preordained it way long ago. It's not surprising him, but he asks us to present it to him anyway as a a way, as a testament to our faithfulness in him. Does that make sense? See what I'm saying there? So the first step to finding peace is that we just got to present it to him. The second is we got to give it to God. We've presented it to God, now we got to give it to him. This is a hard one. Actually, not only is this a hard one, this is actually probably the hardest things, the hardest thing that we will have to do in our entire lives, and I'll explain. So <laughs> before I explain, I almost skip this story. I can't skip this story. So growing up in Alabama, it gets hot, especially in the summer. It gets probably as hot as it does here. I don't know. I haven't experienced a California summer yet, but everyone keeps telling me it gets hot. But back home, it gets hot. It gets humid. There's bugs. So... Every chance that we can get in the summer, we are in the water, okay? Every chance we can get. We're always swimming. Back when I had two days for football, we would wake up early, we'd go swimming, then we'd go to workouts, then we'd go swimming again, then we'd go to football practice, and then we'd go swimming again. It was like we we were swimming. With that being said, there's a lot of lakes, a lot of rivers uh, back home, and we always went there. In fact, there's a river that I grew up on called the Cahaba River. Um, Look it up. It's beautiful. Um, It's actually not. It's, It's muddy, and it's gross. But it was cool. To us, it was cool but we'd always go, and there's rope swings all along it, rope swings, and, and the one that we would always go to, you'd have to climb up kind of this tree, there were some like pallets on the side of it, you had to climb up about 15, 20 feet, you stood up there, you held on to the rope, you swung out kind of at an angle around some trees, it was really dangerous, you swung out, and you like went out on the river, and then it kind of swung you up, and you jumped in, and did backflips or backbusters if you're trying to be cool, and that's what we would always do, and I remember this one time we went and this poor girl was with us. She's awesome. She's one of my best friends. But she was terrified of heights. And she was like, before we went, we were walking over there. She was like, guys, I don't care what you have to do, make me go on that swing. I'm gonna climb up, and I'm gonna, with everything I have, I'm not gonna want to go. You have to make me. So we built her up. We were, we were like cheering her on. We're like, yeah. We had people up there, like it's like this tiny little platform, like this big, but we had like four people up there, like you got this, you got this, dude, like. She was like, I don't know. She's like almost crying. She's not, but she's like, whatever. But she does it. She like, she jumps and goes off. We're like, yeah, we're going crazy. Like, yes, yes. We're like all videoing it or whatever. (laughs) But what happened was she built up that fear. She wasn't ready for when she got out to realize that it's like a 40-foot drop to the water from the top of the rope swing when you swing out. So she built up the courage to go, but then she gets out there and she's like, nope. So I don't know if you've ever seen like a rope swing, you like swing out and it gets to like that point where it stops and your body automatically turns around. So she's like this and she turns around and I promise you we're on the platform watching and her face is like, she like turns around and it's just pure fear and we're like, oh no, she's not gonna let go. She comes back, we're like, let go, let go. And she's just locked up, she comes. She tried to like put her feet up on this platform. Her feet hit. She face planted straight into the tree. She's like holding onto this platform, like falling off. She got like a bloody nose, scraped up legs. It was bad. <laughs> she was not happy about it. it what would you say? She, left. she did. She's fine. <laughs> she lived. But it was, it was, I mean, it was bad. It was hilarious. Okay. We laughed about it. We sent it to everyone we knew, <laughs> but it was bad because what had happened was She built up the courage to swing out there, but then she refused to let go. She was too scared to let go because even though she had built up the courage to go out there, she knew that safety was clinging to that rope. So when she got out there, she was unable, unwilling to let go of that rope. And surrender, letting go, giving it to God is so hard for us because we love control. We love it, right? With things like our fears and anxieties, we hold on to them, right? Because we feel like it's up to us to conquer them or it's fear itself that's locking us up. Sometimes it's that we think it's up to us. It's our own ability to get through it. Sometimes it's just the fact that fear is presenting us from letting it go. That was her situation. She got out there, was fearful of the drop to the water, so she refused to let it go, right? And here's the thing. Fear drives so many of our lives, but most of us don't even know it. Fear drives so many of our lives, it's, it controls us, but we don't even realize it because it's not just about facing your fear, okay? It's, it's about not letting your fear define you in the moment that you face it. Here, here's what I mean. So growing up, my biggest fear was sharks, okay? We went to the beach all the time. Uh, I, I was terrified of sharks because we'd go out and we would dive for sand dollars where it's about 20 feet deep and the is super clear out there, but my biggest fear was always a great white is gonna just swim up on me and eat me. But in my mind... I was conquering my fear because I was still getting in the water. But the truth was, fear was still defining me because every moment that I was in the water, I was thinking about the shark. It wasn't just facing the fear, it was not letting my fear define me when I'm facing it, okay? Because every moment that I was in the boat getting out there, my foot couldn't be in the water because I was afraid a shark was going to come up and get me. Every moment that I was in the water, I was looking around, where's the shark, where's the shark? Even the moments that I was having the most fun in the back of my head, I was like, there's a shark coming. I was terrified super irrational, but it's true. But that's what we do. We, we, even if we face our fears, we think that's conquering it, but it's not, okay, because the fear still defines us in the moment. It's not about facing your fear. It's about not letting it define you in that moment, okay? We do it with sin too. It's not just fear, right? When we sin, we feel like we need to make up for it, okay? What's the first thing you do after you mess up? You try to make up for it, okay? We do that. We have a hard time letting it go. God forgives us But he calls us to let it go, too. He doesn't just call us to be forgiven. He calls us to let it go. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? God forgives us of our sins. And then Psalms actually says he cast it as far as the east is from the west. He completely forgives us. He renews us and redeems us. It's not even a part of our passing, yet we have such a hard time letting it go. That's where shame comes in. Because even if we've been forgiven from our sins, we still hold on to it and think it's up to us to get better than we were, but we'll never, in truth, we'll never really earn a way to recover from that. We have to receive it, but we hold on to it, and that's when shame comes in. When we hold on to our sin, we're burdened with shame, and when we hold on to our fear, our anxieties, okay, that's when we're burdened with stress. Do you see kind of the parallel line here? When we hold on to our sins, we're burdened with shame. When we hold on to our fear, our anxieties, we're burdened with stress. But it says, okay, hold on, first of all, I skipped a part, I'm sorry. What I don't want you to hear is that it's up to us to conquer our fear, okay? I don't want you to hear that, right? I'm never going to face a shark in the water and look at it and not be nervous. I'm also never going to be able to conquer that shark, okay? I'm never going to win that battle, okay? But I can choose to not let my fear to find me, I can choose to let go of my fear, okay? So that school you're trying to get into, you're nervous about trying to get into it. It's not about turning in the application. You're still nervous about it. Okay? The truth is, is just you turn the application and you let go of it and you say, God, it's in your hands now. That's letting go of your fear. It's not conquering it. It's letting it go. Okay? Same goes with your testing. your A.C.T. You're nervous about the score. You study. You do everything you can. That's awesome. But then you turn your test and you're still so caught up. in what's that grade going to be? That's not conquering your fear. Okay? That's still letting it define you. You've got to let it go. Here's the thing. When we surrender, we find freedom. When we surrender our sin, we receive redemption, we receive renewal, okay? But when we surrender our fears and anxieties, we also receive peace. Once again, you see that parallel. Hold on to sin, you get shame. Hold on to fear, you get stress. Surrender sin, we get redemption. Surrender fears, we get peace. So we have to surrender it, we have to let it go. It's not up to us to conquer it, it's up to God, we just got to give it to him. We present it to God, we give it to God, and then we receive it from God. We got to receive it from God, right? You've done your job at this point. Your job is not to earn it, but to receive it. So your job is to present it to God. Your job is to let it go. Now your job is to actually receive it. It sounds kind of contradictive because it's like, okay, so my action step is to not do anything that's not necessarily true, but your action step is to let God, if that makes sense you got to understand that it's not up to you to earn peace. It's up to you to let God give you peace, to receive it from him. Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay, basically what we just talked about the first two points, give it to God, your sins. Okay, also remember the parallel line with sin and fear. Give God your sins, be forgiven. Give God your fears and anxieties. Let them be taken off you. You got to give it to them, and then it says this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Note right there that it doesn't say that you'll be rewarded with the Holy Spirit. Okay, because in this world, everything that we do, everything that we get is about how hard I fought for it, how hard I worked to earn it, okay? If I don't do a good job here as a high school pastor, I'm gonna get fired, so I gotta work for it, and through that, I get to keep my job. You have to study for that test that you're taking tomorrow, and through it, you'll get a good grade, Right, and that mindset tells us that the only things worth keeping in this world are the things that are worked for, okay? But scripture actually says that the most valuable things are the things that are received, that can't be earned. No matter what you do, you can't earn it. You can only receive it, right? The Holy Spirit is not a prize. It's a gift, and you cannot earn a gift. You can only receive it. You can't earn that. You can't earn the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that you can receive, so in this case, right, we let go, and then we receive the Holy Spirit, and with it, look what we get. Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, the things that come with the Holy Spirit, the thing that we just received, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we receive what God has given to us, peace becomes a part of who we are because the Holy Spirit is in us, and peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? When we receive the Holy Spirit, we get love, okay? Love is so ill-defined by this world, it's used a ton, and unfortunately, this world does not get it right. It's not just an expression of how much I like you, it's something that you can receive. Love is selfless, okay? So most of us have probably said that we love someone. It's not an expression, it's something we see and we get it from the Holy Spirit. We get joy, it's unconditional, it's something of the Holy Spirit we can receive. We get peace, it's not something that we can earn or fight for, it's something that we can receive, We get patience. We all know we need some patience. We get kindness. This is not a kind world. It's a harsh world, but through the Holy Spirit, we get kindness. We get goodness. This world ain't a good world either, but we get it through the Holy Spirit. We get faithfulness. We know that every step we take, we're faithful in God. That's something received as well. Gentleness, it's a violent world, but we're gentle. We're loving, and we get self-control. We get to better ourselves. We get to know ourselves better by receiving the Holy Spirit. When we receive what God has given to us, peace, becomes a part of who we are. No longer is it something that you have to search for, right? Now it's something that is ingrained in us through the Holy Spirit, and it will never leave us. It will never leave us. Once again, it's important to know the difference between peace being in us and peace being tied up in who we are, okay? There's a difference. Because just because just because peace is now in us, it's a part of who we are, doesn't mean that it's tied up in, once again, the type of person that we are at the moment, because we know that we're supposed to grow. We're called to grow. Sometimes we grow for the best, which is what we're called to do. Sometimes we change for the worst because we let the world define who we are. But in that moment, if peace is is in us and who we are, we lose that sense of peace. But if it's tied up in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit says he will never leave you nor forsake you. So there's no path that you can take. There's no way that you can go. There's no desert that you can find yourself in. There's no pit that you can dig yourself into where the Holy Spirit will leave you. Therefore, when the peace is tied up in the Holy Spirit, rather in the state of your heart at that moment, you will always be able to access faith through the Holy Spirit that will never leave you, never forsake you. I mean, I'm preaching today. I don't know if y'all realized it. But that's some truth. No, it's connected to the Holy Spirit. It won't leave you. It won't forsake you. There's nothing that you can do where you won't be able to access peace through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. So that's what we have to do to find peace. We have to present it to God. We have to give it to God. And then we have to receive it from God. It's not something earned. It's something received. And remember what I said, peace is also trusting God. Remember this list of things, the way to find peace is also a list of trusting God. Right? So those three steps are also three ways to trust in God. And look at what happens when we trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Basically, find peace in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Remember, we find peace sometimes in our ability to understand, but the peace of God transcends understanding. You see how this verse ties into our theme verse? in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That doesn't say that he will make your life easy. Hear that. Doesn't say that he'll make your life easy. It says he'll make your path straight. In other words, when we receive peace, every step that we take from then on is directed at God. And we know that everything has a purpose and a plan. So if we ever get along that path, that straight path that doesn't make sense, and there's no ability to understand it in that moment, we don't have to think about, I should jump off this path because we know that even though this doesn't make sense, it's leading towards God and I can walk in full stride towards Him knowing that He's at the end of this path. Whereas when we're walking on that path that life tells us to go, where you can hop from one thing to another, when it gets hard and confusing, you hop to another one, that's gonna get hard and confusing too, and you never know where it's going. But this verse is saying, when our peace is wrapped up in God, He'll make your path straight, He'll give you the confidence to walk into the confusion knowing that the path is straight and leading straight towards him so you can have faith and boldness and the ability to keep walking towards him with everything you've got. Now, hopefully, you're hearing what I'm saying, that, that peace, true peace, is available to all of us, right? I want you to understand that peaceable, peace is available for you to receive, but what I worry is that that's all you heard. What I worry is that, okay, I can have peace, so I'm going to get peace, what I need you to understand is that step three, receiving peace from God, is only possible through step one and two, especially step two. Here's what I mean. We can't receive if we haven't let go. Because when we, see, when we go to receive the peace of our, uh, peace from God, our, our hands are still full with the things that we can't seem to let go. He can't give you something if you haven't let everything else go. You can't receive from him, right? We go to him. We say, God, here's this thing is step one, present it to God. Step two is to let it go, to give it to God, to do this. We present it to God. We say, God, here's this stuff. Step two is to let it go. But our problem is that we go from step one to three thinking that that means peace. But here's what happens. We go say, hey, God, here's this thing And then we try to receive the thing that he's giving us, but we can't grasp it because we're still holding on to that stuff. Our hands are full, we can't receive it. But watch what happens. We say, God, here's this stuff, and then we give it to him. And automatically you're in a position where you're able to receive from him. Through our surrender, we are in a state, we are in a position where naturally we're able to receive the peace that God is trying to give you. We're gonna do things a little bit differently tonight. Because everyone in here, myself included, is holding on to something. Because like I said, it's our natural instinct. Every single person in this room is holding on to something. I'm going to give us a chance to let it go. I take that back. God's going to give us a chance to let it go. We're just going to let it go. So under your seat, there's a little index card and a pen. I want everyone to go ahead and pick that up. Leslie, if you'll throw that slide up there of those things. What we're going to do is this. I want you to write your name on there. Hear me on why. We're not trying to stalk you on everything. We just want to pray intentionally over you. This, these cards are not going to anyone outside of our team. It's going to be in my office, and our team is going to pray intentionally over you, so we want to know who it is that we're praying over. We're not going to share it with anyone. If you want it to be confidential, write it, and only my eyes will see it. I want your name, and I want what you're holding on to. It can be the smallest thing. It can be the biggest thing. It can be an addiction. It can be a fear. It can be whatever you want. Well, as I've been going through this, whatever popped in your head of, I'm still holding on to that. I'm still looking at those things that I shouldn't. I'm still doubtful that God is there. Something happened to me, and I'm still hurt from it. It doesn't even have to be something that you've done. There's something that we're holding on to. Whatever it is that's in your heart right now, I want you to write it down. And the second, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And anyone who is ready for the first time to give their life to Christ, I want you to pray that prayer after me. Through that, we find freedom from our sin. We find renewal, redemption from our sin. I'm going to lead us in that prayer. But after that, instead of inviting just the people who gave their life to Christ up, I'm going to invite every single person in this room to be prayed over. In fact, my team is going to do it tonight after everyone leaves. We're going to do it with each other. But during these next two songs, we're going to do more songs. My team's going to be up here and around the sides of this room. And I want you to have your name on there, on that card, and what you're holding on to. And then I want you to give either a one or two or three. If you're a believer and you're just receiving prayer for the thing that you wrote on that card, I want you to write a one on there. If you're renewing your relationship with Christ, if, if, if you've been a Christian, but you faded away, you haven't been in relationship with the Lord and you want to rebuild that relationship with him, I want you to write a two on there. And if this is your first time decision, if, if you're giving your life to Christ for the first time, I want you to write a three on there. And then I put up their phone number. This is, once again, we're not going to stalk you. We're not going to call you. We're not going to bother you. This is just so we can be intentional with you. And based off of that, We'll send you one text this week. That's all we're gonna do. But as we do that, as we write down that stuff on these cards and you come up here and and you receive prayer from someone, guys go to guys, girls go to girls, whatever it is, you're gonna hand them that card and they're gonna pray over you. And I want you to understand that God is freeing you from that thing. You are choosing to let go of it. You've gotta let him do the work. This is a symbol of our letting go of that thing that we've been holding on to. I want us to let go of it, let go of that rope that we're swinging out on and we're so scared, we're so terrified to let go of or that thing that we refuse to let go of because we wanna control it, we wanna better it in ourselves. Maybe it's image, right? We don't wanna let our image go of being a Christian because it's not cool. Maybe it's fear, A fear of what my life's going to look like. Am I going to have fun in college if I really believe in God? Maybe it's pain of something that happened to you. Maybe it's confusion. My parents are getting divorced. I don't understand why it means. I just got to let go of it though. And we're going to let go of it together and we're going to receive freedom through the power of prayer, through the power of Christ up here tonight. But first, I'm going to lead us in that prayer for anyone who's ready to give their life to Christ for the first time. Anyone who... It goes beyond just a fear or a doubt or shame or guilt. It goes into the fact that you just can't find freedom from sin. And through this prayer that I'm about to pray, if you say it and mean it, your name is going to be written in the book of life, and it means that you're going to be able to spend eternity in heaven with our Father, with our Creator. You're forgiven for your sins. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to lead us in that prayer. And if that's you, I want you to repeat it under your breath or in your heart. My team can go ahead and make their way up and just around the sides of this room. And if that's you tonight, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, say, God, come into my heart. Wash me clean. Make me new. I give you my life. Give me freedom from stress. Give me freedom from anxiety. Give me freedom from fear. And give me peace. In those darkest moments and in the chaos, I look to you as my God. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give God the glory for anyone who prayed that prayer tonight for the first time? Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, follow us on Instagram at Crossroads HSM.